Good morning, Faith Bible Fellowship Church. Before we begin this morning, I wanted to share a couple of announcements. Uh, number one, I wanted you all to get a couple dates on your calendar. Those dates being, first off, February 7th, which will be our annual congregational meeting. It will start right after church, where we will review our 2021 budget, our ministry reports, and discuss some of the elders' plans for 2021. So please try to be here for that. All are invited, so you do not need to be a member to come to the meeting. Um, however, voting privileges will only be for members here. But again, that is February 7th. Also, the ministry reports and the budget for that meeting will be distributed next week, January 24th, and those will be placed in the narthex. So again, anyone is welcome to pick them up and review, um, and they will be um, out for two weeks before our meeting on February 7th. Also, next week is the fourth Sunday of the month, so we will be having our fellowship meal downstairs together following the service. Uh, Sharon and Lorna have again graciously offered to cook for everyone, so there is no need to bring anything um, other than your appetite. So following the service next week, our fellowship meal will be downstairs. Uh, next, small groups. They will take place this week on Sunday evening tonight and also Tuesday evening. Um, and if you have not joined a small group yet, this would be a great time to join as both groups have finished up their studies and are about to start brand new studies within the coming weeks. Uh, thus, at this time, I would like to ask Chris Amons, Amons, did I get that, Amons, kind of, uh, to come forward. Chris will be leading the small group on Sunday evening. Um, if you don't know Chris, Chris is a former pastor and missionary, and I am excited to see and hear all that he will be teaching in the small group. So at this time, Chris, would you mind coming forward um, as he is going to offer a brief overview on the content of small groups on um, Sunday evening. Many of you don't know my wife Pam and I, but we served about 30 years as missionaries from the Amazon jungle to Islamabad, Pakistan. So we've been around the world a little bit. I, when we retired from the International Mission Board, then we... Um, I served as pastor in Lancaster for a few years and recently retired from that also. Uh, my wife Pam is a behavioral therapist at York Hospital. Um, we were at, I was asked to lead this small group uh, and we're going to examine some of the common errors that we make simply because we don't question things like, well, that's the way it's always been. We believe that God's word is perfect, but our interpretations sometimes aren't quite as perfect. So we're going to take a look at the things that we sometimes take for granted that may not exactly be true. Have you ever looked at any of the things that we as Christians do and asked, why do we do that? We'll look at the things that the church especially the early church, had a very good grip on, but over the years kind of faded away. Some of the things that changed from the church that we see in the Bible in the book of Acts, and today we probably don't even really resemble what they were. So we'll take a look at how the early church had a good grip on things, but we may have drifted away. We're going to discover together 
how the church can keep God's word central, not just in what we believe, but in what we do. Sometimes there is a little bit of a disconnect between what we believe and the way we act. So we'll take a look at that. We'll take a look at how the, the church can grow strong in worship, in prayer, in fellowship. And for those of you who are 30 or under fellowship, just means hanging out together. And in life together. If you're 100% content in that God has you exactly where he wants you and that you're already fulfilling all that God wants in your life, then this probably is not the study that you want to get involved in. But if you think that God has big plans for your life that are yet unfulfilled, this is probably a good place to start. It's a good place for examining things and seeing how we can better get on the course where God can use you to his fullest. If you're not sure about this, talk with Pastor Wes, because he can give you some wise guidance, some wise counsel on what you should do. But um, this will be a, I think it'll be a, a good time of getting together. It's not going to be a lecture time. It's going to be a time where we all take part, we all participate, and we all grow together as we try to live together as Christ would have us do. Thank you, Chris. Um, again, if anyone is interest, interested in joining either small group, uh, please let myself know um, or Ken know or Pastor Ricardo know as we would love to get you signed up as quickly as possible. And again, I'm thrilled uh, to have Chris leading the small group on Sunday. Um, and finally, we are still searching for children, church leaders and helpers. Uh, church, it is my goal to get to 16. We are currently at eight. Uh, so we only need eight more. My math's correct, right, Ken? Um, we're searching for 16 because we would like to schedule each teacher and each helper once a month. We want to make sure that the teachers and the helpers are in corporate worship for the majority of the month. So we want to have a nice expanded pool of teachers and helpers teaching children's church so they can still be involved in the corporate worship. Um, so if interested, again, eight more. If anyone is leading you, if you are feeling, feeling led to um, partake, there is a sign-up sheet in the narthex. Um, and again, let me highly, highly, and highly encourage you guys to sign up because um, I think it will be a great ministry for us to bring back um, here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church. With that being said, why don't we all stand for our call to worship this morning? Our call to worship this morning comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let us worship our God this morning, church, via song. You are good, you are good, when there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love, 
You are straight for all to see. You are light, you are light. When the darkness closes in, you are hope, you are hope. You have covered all my sin. You are peace. You are peace, you are peace. When my fear is crippling, you are true, you are true. Even in my wandering, you are joy, you are joy. You're the reason that I sing. You are life, you are life. In you, death has lost its sting. And oh, I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever you are more you are more than my words will ever say you are lord you are lord all creation will proclaim you are here you are here in your presence i made all you are god you are god of all else i'm letting go and oh i'm running to your arms i'm running to your arms the riches of your love will always be enough nothing compares to your embrace light of the world forever my heart will sing my heart will sing no other name Jesus Jesus my heart will sing no other name Jesus Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name but Jesus, Jesus. And oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love, nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever My heart will sing. My heart will sing no other name, Jesus, Jesus. My heart will sing no other name, Jesus, Jesus. 
and be seated as we go into a time of prayer. Let us pray. We come before you, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We want to delve into the origin of our salvation. You are eternal. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have no beginning, have no end. You exist outside of time. And you have an eternal purpose. Your word often speaks of your eternal counsel, of your plan of salvation. You do not ad-lib your dominion of the universe. You do not make it up as you go along. You are not some bumbling administrator who is so inept in his planning that his blueprint for redemption must be endlessly subject to revision according to the actions of men. Your plan... You have no plan B, you have no plan C. Your plan A is from everlasting to everlasting. It is both perfect and unchangeable as it rests on your eternal character, which is among other things holy, omniscient, immutable. Your eternal plan is not revised because of moral imperfections within it that must be purified. Your plan was not corrected or amended because you gained some new knowledge that you lacked at the beginning. Your plan never changes because you never change and because perfection admits to no degrees and cannot be improved upon. Therefore, if there is a plan and your word says there is, then there must be a council. There must have been a council, a council of redemption, as it were. You, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit agreed together in eternity past that the only way to redeem fallen man was for one of you to become man, live a perfect life, bear in that human body all our sins, die paying the penalty, the penalty of death for our sins, rise victorious, ascend back to heaven, and in the end, gather to himself all those who have been chosen from before the foundation of the world. And it was decided that the Savior would be God the Son, and he would become the Son of Man. The Apostle Paul says, Jesus Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, you did not strip the Son of his eternal glory, but the Son agreed to lay it aside temporarily for the sake of our salvation. And as Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed.
Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Oh, friends, one day this world will exist no more. It will pass away. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. God's eternal purpose and plan will be complete. And we, we will see the glory of God the Son, the Son of Man. Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, O thou of God and man the Son, thee will I cherish, thee will I honor, thou my soul's glory, joy and crown. Beautiful Savior, Lord of all the nations, Son of God and Son of Man, glory and honor and praise and adoration, now and forevermore be thine. Amen. Amen. And would you please stand as we sing those words back to God? We want to recognize Christ's lordship over the nations. Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, oh, Thou of God and man the Son, Thee will I cherish, Thee will I honor, Thou my soul's glory, joy, and crown. Fair are the meadows, fairer still the is fairer Jesus is purer who makes the woeful heart to sing You are fairer You are fairer than the fairest of ten thousand lovelier than all I've ever seen you are brighter than the brightest star in heaven jesus you're everything to me jesus you're everything to me fair is the sunshine fair still the moonlight and all the twinkling starry hope Jesus shines brighter Jesus shines purer than all the angels have can boast 
fairer than the fairest of ten thousand lovelier than all i've ever seen you are brighter than the brightest star in heaven jesus you're everything to me jesus you're everything to me beautiful savior lord of all the nations son of god and son of man now and forevermore be thy you are fairer you are fairer than the fairest of ten thousand lovelier than all i've ever seen you are brighter than the brightest star in heaven jesus you're everything to me Jesus, you're everything to me. cross I cannot comprehend the agonies of Calvary you the perfect holy one crushed your son who drank the bitter cup reserved for me your blood has washed away my sin Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. By your perfect sacrifice I've been brought near Your enemy you've made your friend Pouring out the riches of your glorious grace Your mercy and your kindness know no end Your blood has washed away my sin jesus thank you the father's wrath completely satisfied jesus thank you once your enemy now seated at your table jesus thank you Love 
son Lord we pray that you would help us to remember his rule over the nations Lord we ask that you would reign not only in our nation but in our hearts and in the midst of this congregation Lord give us your word that we need for encouragement for edification and to grow us in your holiness and in your likeness Father open our hearts to your word and let us fellowship with one another this morning as we commune with you we ask this in Jesus name Amen please remain standing as we read God's word Please be seated. Good morning, church family. It is great to see so many of you here this morning as we continue our study in the epistle of 1 John. Today we will begin chapter 4 together, looking at 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 where the Apostle John calls his Christian readers to test the spirits. Now before we get into that, I would like to point out in our introduction that the only reason we as Christians can test the spirits is because we as the children of God have been given a gift. Now if you remember back to last week, John took us on a bit of a detour where he soothed and encouraged his Christian readers who possess that of a condemning heart. And John wrote to these individuals that, in essence, how you feel about your salvation, your daily, whimsical, impulsive feelings that has absolutely no objective bearing on your status as a child of the Most High God. Instead, John said, if you want to know that you are of the truth, if you want to know objectively that you possess the gift of salvation, then just look at your life. Because 1 John chapter 3, verse 24 says... 
Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Meaning that the one who keeps the commandments of God and who abides in God, it is obvious then that God abides in them. Verse 24, via the spirit whom he has given us. And since the children of God have the Holy Spirit abiding in them and dwelling in them, they can then, verse 23, believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Because you see, church, the dead person, they can't believe in Jesus Christ. The corpse, they can't love like Jesus Christ. Thus, for someone to believe in the name of Jesus Christ and to love others like Jesus Christ, well, it is obvious then that something supernatural, that something divine, that something alien or foreign has taken up residence inside of them. And he has taken them from being dead in their sins to alive in Jesus Christ. But furthermore, Christian, this Holy Spirit, he not only gives life to the spiritually dead, but he also then continues to dwell in the Christian, convicting them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, teaching them how to pray, guiding them in how to minister to each other, giving them ears to hear, eyes to see, and the gift of discernment to understand the very word of God. And this gift of discernment, Christian, it is critical. Because as John warns today, many false prophets and many antichrists, they have gone out into the world. And thus it is vital for any Christian during any period of time located in any place to be able to discern what is true, what is life-giving, and what is of God from what is false, what is life-killing, and what is of Satan. Which takes us to our thesis statement this morning or the overall premise of our sermon this morning, which is this. Christian rigorously tests the spirits in order to discern which ones are truly of God. Christian rigorously tests the spirits in order to discern which ones are truly of God. And our text this morning is 1 John chapter 4, and we will be in verses 1 through 3 which can be found in your pew Bibles, located in the row in front of you on page 1023. Thus, let me encourage everyone who is here today to follow along with the text as we, as a church body, hear God's word together this morning. Again, our text this morning is 1 John chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 3. The Apostle John, he writes, Beloved, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together this morning to worship you, the God of the universe. Father, I pray this morning that we worship you for who you are and how you desire to be worshipped. 
I pray that what we offer today is a fragrant offering and sacrifice to you. Father, I pray for help this morning as I communicate your word. Lord, give me lips to speak truth to this dear body this morning. I pray for this flock that you give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that convicts them. Lord, give them understanding so that when they see the false teachers and the antichrists that are out there, Father, that we run from them and we hold fast to the real thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. No counterfeit, but that we cling to Christ. Father, give us a heart this morning to test the spirits. Together, as a church body, we have been called to do this together with each other. Father, we thank you for the text this morning. I pray for clarity as I preach, and that you above all else be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning is this. Point number one, Christian, do not be lazy, but rigorously test the spirits. For there are many false teachers out there who are seeking to deceive you. Again, point number one, Christian, do not be lazy, but rigorously test the spirits, for there are many false teachers out there who are seeking to deceive you. Verse number one, or verse one. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. John opens verse 1 with simply, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Now, why is this so important to not believe every spirit? Well, as John also writes in verse 1, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this is similar to what John wrote back in chapter 2, verse 18, which reads, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. So in essence, John is saying to his Christian readers that in this world, right now currently, there are many false prophets and many false teachers and antichrists out there who are teaching and preaching and promoting a false gospel. And behind each one of these false prophets is some kind of a spirit. And you can think of it this way, church, as John Stott explained. Every prophet you hear, every teacher you listen to, they are a mouthpiece or a spokesperson for some kind of spirit. Thus, in the case of these false prophets or the false teachers mentioned here, the spirit in which they are mouthpieces for, it is certainly not the spirit of God, church. But instead, it is the spirit of the devil, or as John writes in verse 3, the spirit of the Antichrist. And the big problem here, church, is this, that we live in a world, as Daniel Aiken astutely pointed out, that ascribes any and every type of supernatural activity to God. That we live in a world that ascribes any and every type of supernatural activity to God. And this is just foolish, church, because as John points out, yes, there is verse 2, the Spirit of God, But there is also, verse 3, the spirit of the Antichrist, or the spirit of the devil. Therefore, if a church just assumes that any and every type of spiritual word or supernatural activity is from God, 
What ends up happening then is that church just openly allows any and every type of false teacher to just simply walk right into their body and assume any teaching or preaching or authoritative position that they desire simply because the church sees something that looks kind of spiritual or sounds kind of religious. And without discerning, they just assume, oh, that is the spirit of God, which John says, no, 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 that couldn't be further from the truth. Because, verse 1, many false prophets with the spirit of the Antichrist have gone out into the world. Now, just to make the distinction here, church, these false prophets who John is talking about here, they are not merely just individuals who made a mistake. They are not individuals who are just immature in the faith or who are growing theologically, or learning to discern. John is not talking about that here. Theological mistakes or the occasional preaching error is not what John has in mind here. Instead, what John is talking about here are individuals who, 2 Peter 2, secretly bring destructive heresies into the church, who, Jude, pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ who Romans 16 cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrines that we have been taught, who Mark 13 possess the goal of leading people astray, for that is what John has in mind here, individuals who seek to deceive, who seek to dupe, and who seek to defraud people into becoming disciples of the devil. That is what John has in mind here when he speaks of the false prophets. And thus, church, these false prophets with their false doctrines and their false gospels and their false teachings, they are fierce wolves who have gone out among us. For they seek to hunt, they seek to trick, and they seek to kill, and make no mistake, church, they will not spare the flock. Thus, we as Christians cannot just believe anything and everything we hear without first determining if the message we are receiving is from a wolf who wants to kill and devour us or from a shepherd who wants to guide and protect us. And thus, we must, must, must test the spirits because literally our soul, our life, and salvation is what is at stake. Tony Evans shared that it is no secret that duck hunters use decoys. However, these decoys have gotten pretty fancy. The decoys, they now quack like ducks, move like ducks, look like ducks, and even act like ducks. In fact, some ducks even think these decoys are ducks. And the real-life ducks, well, they end up being dead ducks because they can't tell what's real and what's not. For the Christian, there are now many roving decoys out there, and their desire is to deceive you into believing a false gospel. Therefore, we must look beyond how a certain pastor or teacher performs or speaks in order to determine their authenticity. Instead, we must evaluate and test the spirits based on the very word of God. Thus, we must always be on guard, Christian, for the decoys that are moving all around us, acting like the real thing. Because to put your faith in a decoy or in a counterfeit gospel, well, it is to end up like the dead duck. Therefore, with so much at stake, church, meaning life and death, we cannot be content as a church body to merely get out our rakes and lightly comb through the scriptures. Instead, we must be willing to get out our trowels and our shovels and our pickaxes and whatever else we need to dig deep into the depths of God's infallible word in order to test 
these spirits. Or in order to put it or to put it another way, we as Christians must be willing to be like the Bereans. Now, if you do not know who the Bereans are, well, they were residents in the city of Berea, located in Macedonia. And it says in Acts 17 that the Apostle Paul preached to them during his second missionary journey. And this is how the Bereans received Paul and his message. As Acts 17 says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue to preach the gospel. Now these Jews, the Bereans, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica, which is where Paul was coming from. And they, the Bereans, received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them, therefore, believed. So what we have here, church, in the Bereans is a group of people who were, as Acts 17 17 says, more noble than those in Thessalonica, meaning they possessed a good conduct or a good disposition about themselves. And not only that, but they also received the word of God with eagerness, for they were a people hungry for the word of God. However, simply because they were hungry for the word of God, that does not mean that they immediately accepted every teacher and prophet who came to them and claimed to be of God. Instead, it says in Acts 17 that they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Meaning when they heard what Paul was teaching and preaching. Instead of just gullibly believing anything and everything that was being said to them. These Bereans, they took what they heard and they tested it against the very word of God. Meaning they got out their trowels and their shovels and their pickaxes. And they dug into the word of God to see if what Paul was teaching was true according to the Old Testament scriptures. And you know what? After their research was conducted and they tested the spirits, it all checked out. It all made sense. It all was in proper alignment with the word of God. And thus it says in Acts 17 that many of them therefore believed. That many of them believed in the gospel that Paul was preaching because it was credible and accurate and true. For that is why, church, we must test the spirits for literally eternal life and eternal death. That is what is at stake here. Now you might be sitting sitting there this morning thinking... Test every spirit? Discern like every spirit? I mean, that is a lot of work and will take a lot of time. I mean, isn't that why we hired you, preacher boy, so you could do that for us? So we don't have to put in that kind of time and effort and study. You see, church, we are being brainwashed as a society into believing that researching and studying and analyzing the things of God... That it's just too time-consuming, too tedious, too cumbersome for the average person to do. And yet we live in a society that has no problem spending countless hours searching for videos on TikTok, or the best deal on Amazon, or what so-and-so said on Facebook. But when it comes to the things of God, well, that just seems too time-consuming. And yet we have no problem as a society spending our entire evenings watching our favorite TV programs, doing who knows what on our iPhones, and listening to our favorite podcasts and music. 
But when it comes to discerning the shepherd from the wolf, well, that just seems like too much effort. And yet, we have no problem as a society trying on 20 different styles of shoes before we buy a pair, test driving 10 different cars before we purchase one, and doing five different walkthroughs of a new house before we sign a loan. And yet, when it comes to testing the spirits, when literally our entire eternity is at stake, when life and death, when they hang in the balance, when salvation and being cast into hell forever are the only two options. Our response is, do I really need to put in that kind of time and effort? Yes! Yes, Christian, you do. Why? Because your life is at stake. Thus, please see this text, church, not as John trying to get you just to do busy work, but instead, in love, John is offering you this exhortation because he cares for the ultimate destiny of your souls. Therefore, today, you have been warned, Christian, that false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders, and they will seek to lead you astray. And they will come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly be ravenous wolves. Thus, we must, must, must be like the noble Bereans and test every spirit by studying and analyzing and researching and digging deep into the depths of God's word daily, because the salvation of our souls, Christian, That is what is ultimately at stake. Now, how do we do this? How do we test the spirits and discern the spirit of God from the spirit of the devil? That takes us to point number two. Those who do not confess the Jesus of the scriptures, they do not possess the spirit of God, but instead possess the spirit of the Antichrist. Point number two, those who do not confess the Jesus of the scriptures, they do not possess the spirit of God, but instead possess the spirit of the Antichrist. Verses two and three. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Now, John gives his readers an assessment tool here, or a test, if you will, to help them determine the spirit in which they are hearing from. And the test that John offers his Christian readers, it is concise, it is clear, and it is Christological in its nature. For he writes in verse 2, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So every prophet, every teacher, every preacher who is guided by the Spirit of God, they will confess not only that Jesus is the Christ, but they will also confess that Jesus is God incarnate, that Jesus is God in the flesh, truly God and truly man. And you might be sitting there this morning thinking, yeah, we know, Wes. I mean, you literally tell us in every sermon, every week, the nature of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is truly God and truly man. Thus, is it necessary for you to cover this in much depth this morning? Church pastor Hayden Robinson shared this story about a young Chinese boy who wanted to learn all about the Jade Stone. Since the Jade Stone was considered to be priceless by the Chinese culture. So the boy went and studied with a talented and wise old teacher. 
And on the first day of study, this gentle teacher put a piece of the precious jade stone into the boy's hand and told him to hold it tight. Then the old teacher began rambling about philosophy and men and women and about the sun and almost everything under it. And after an hour, the teacher took back the stone and sent the boy home. And this was repeated for several weeks. And eventually the boy became frustrated, for he wanted to learn why the jade stone was so different than all the other stones, and why the jade stone was so much more valuable than all the other stones out there. But he was too polite to question the wisdom of his teacher. However, one day the old wise teacher casually just put some random stone into the boy's hand instead of the jade stone, to which the boy instinctively cried out, This is not a jade stone! Church, our discernment, it begins with us deeply and accurately understanding the content of the real thing. Thus, church, never, ever, ever grow tired of hearing or meditating on or plumbing the depths of the riches of the nature of Jesus Christ. For this is the truth that we confess, church. This is what we affirm in our articles of faith based solely on the infallible and inerrant word of God. That Jesus Christ is the word. The eternal and true God who is of one substance and equal with God the Father, but was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and who took on himself man's nature with all its essential properties except sin. For Jesus Christ embodies two perfect and distinct natures in one person. Thus, Jesus Christ is truly God and truly man. For that is what we confess, church. That is what we boldly affirm, unapologetically declare, and assuredly believe. That Jesus is the Christ and has come in the flesh. For that is what the Spirit of God, church, will always confess. However, on the flip side of that, verse 3, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. And what John is articulating here is that those who do not confess Jesus, what they are ultimately displaying to the world is who is inspiring them and their teaching, that being Satan. And this was absolutely critical for John to articulate to his readers, since there were so many false teachers and false prophets out there who fundamentally did not get Jesus Christ correct. And you might be sitting there this morning thinking, well, that is well and good, but that was some 2,000 years ago, Wes. I mean, how is any of this applicable to me today? And this is what it comes down to, Christian. That just as the false teachers some 2,000 years ago denied and distorted and deviated from the true and fundamental teachings of Christ, the spirits who inspired those false teachers, they are still out there today. Still inspiring false teachers to make claims about Jesus Christ and declarations about Jesus Christ and confessions concerning the doctrines of Jesus Christ. But the Jesus that these false teachers promote and teach and confess, he is not the Jesus of the Bible. And this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone, church. I mean, just look around at the current American religious landscape. For today, as Douglas O'Donnell pointed out, we see false teachers openly promoting social justice Jesus, 
Today we see false teachers promoting only a prophet to Jesus, only a great teacher Jesus, only a religious genius Jesus. Today we see false teachers promoting pacifist Jesus, rebel Jesus, American Jesus, Uncle Sam Jesus, Republican Jesus, Democrat Jesus, Marxist Jesus, and even vegetarian Jesus. I mean literally today we see false teachers openly proclaiming that Jesus is my homeboy, that Jesus Jesus is the same person as the archangel Michael, that Jesus was a created being, that Jesus' brothers was Satan, that Jesus is a made-up pagan myth, for that is what the false prophets are peddling currently to the world, teachings about Jesus that are counterfeits, knockoffs, fakes, forgeries, half-truths, deceptions, falsehoods, and lies, and these false teachers, church, they aren't submitting to Jesus Christ, they, but they are merely using the name of Jesus for selfish gain, for power, for pride, and prosperity. Thus, let me warn you this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, if you are reading, listening to, or drinking the Kool-Aid of anyone who is promoting a view of Jesus Christ above the one that is articulated to us in the scriptures, that Jesus is the Christ and has come in the flesh, then you are listening to someone who is a mouthpiece, not of God, but a mouthpiece for the Antichrist, who has exchanged the truth for a lie and seeks to make you a disciple of the devil. Thus again, if you are reading, listening to, or drinking the Kool-Aid of anyone promoting a view of Jesus that does not articulate him as God incarnate, then run. Throw out their books, turn off their radio stations, stop following them on Twitter, stop watching them on TV, stop visiting their webpage, just Run for the teachings, the messages, and the heresies of these modern-day false prophets. Sure, they might offer you power and pride and prosperity in the here and now, but Christian, their confessions pertaining to the nature, the work, the accomplishment, and the promises of Jesus Christ, they are deceiving, misleading, dishonest, and distruthful. And although they preach exactly what our sinful hearts desire, I can promise you, Christian, their message, it only leads to death. Thus let us test all things Christian and hold fast only to what is good. Fundamentally, foundationally, and always beginning with the fact that Jesus Christ, he has come to us in the flesh. Now as we close this morning, I will begin with the non-Christian who is here first. And non-Christian, I'm going to keep this short and sweet because no doubt there is a lot of misinformation out there right now. I mean, theologically, you have religions claiming that you just need to be a good person and you can be saved. You have religions claiming that you just need to practice certain rituals and you can be saved. You have religions claiming that you just need to remove as much evil in your life as possible and you can be saved. However, non-Christian, the very God of the universe, the God who created you, the God who revealed himself to you, and the God who gave you his word, he says you cannot save yourself. That no matter how good of a person you are, no matter how much fasting you do, no matter how much evil you remove from your life, you cannot save yourself. 
Instead, the only way that you can be saved is by placing your trust in the only one who can save you, that being Jesus Christ, God himself who came to us in the flesh to accomplish for us that which we could never do, the keeping of God's law. Thus, Jesus Christ, the God-man, he perfectly and faithfully and righteously kept every aspect of God's law for us. But not only that, non-Christian, as Jesus Christ, he also paid the price for our breaking of the law by stepping in as our substitute, by taking our sins upon himself and being nailed to a tree on our behalf. For Jesus Christ was ultimately crucified on a cross in our place and died as the sacrifice for our sins. Non-Christian, the sinless son of God, he died for sinful man. However, non-Christian sin and death, as powerful as they are, they could not keep the sinless Son of God dead because they had no power over him. Sin and death, they had no claim over Jesus Christ because he never sinned. Thus, three days later, Jesus Christ, church, he rose from the grave, defeating sin and defeating death and offering eternal life for all who place their trust in him. Thus, non-Christian, let today be the day that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin, who can clothe you in his perfect life and reconcile you back to God forever. Non-Christian, lean not on your own understanding. Rely not on your own good works, not on your own righteousness, and not on your own ability to cleanse yourself of sin. But instead, let today be the day that by grace you place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today will be the day that you will be saved by this truth, forgiven of your sins, and brought back into fellowship with God forever. Thus, non-Christian, confess that Jesus is the Christ, God himself who came into this world in the flesh to save you from your sin. And today, non-Christian, eternal salvation with the God of the universe, it will be yours forever. And to the Christian who is here today, brother Christian, sister Christian, John is clear that we as Christians, verse 1, are to test the spirits. Now, I realize some of you might be sitting there this morning thinking, Wes, I do want to test the spirits. I do want to discern the spirits, and I am willing to put the work in and dig and labor and figure out if the message is of God or the devil. However, at times, that can be really, really hard. I mean, John only gives us here two very precise assessment tools. That the Spirit of God will confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, and that the Spirit of the Antichrist will not confess Jesus. And I know that John gave these two very clear and precise assessment tools in order to help his original readers deal with the major theological issue of their day. However, when you look around today, there is a lot going on theologically, and at times it can be really, really difficult to discern. Thus, Pastor, how can someone who loves God and who wants to submit to every one of his teachings, no matter what the world says, and who wants to test the spirits, how exactly can I do that? When I am a new Christian, or I don't have a Bible degree, or honestly, I get confused every time I read the Old Testament. 
Now with that question in mind, church, as in the entire church body, I'd like to point us back to the text this morning. Because when John writes, test the spirits, he is writing, as Gary Burge noted, to the corporate body of Christ. As if saying, together, all of you, test the spirits. Thus, please realize, brother Christian, sister Christian, you are not in this discernment thing alone. Because you have your brothers and your sisters in Christ who are here to help you understand what you are reading. Discern what you are hearing as together you test the spirits to see if they are of God or of Satan. And we have been blessed. Faith Bible Fellowship Church with so many wonderfully gifted and thoughtful congregants here who can be helpful in this venture. I mean, we have on any given week seven men in attendance who have preached a sermon. We have a former pastor here of 25 years, missionaries here of 30 years, graduates of Bible college, seminary. We have a New Testament scholar right here in the congregation. We have three congregants right now who are writing books, women in the congregation who have been teaching Sunday school for longer than I have been alive. And I'm not saying this, church, in a prideful or boastful or braggadocious way. I am saying this to encourage you that we have a plethora of wisdom and discernment and knowledge right here in our midst. Thus, brother Christian, sister Christian, when you hear something that sounds off, when you read something that you might question, when someone says something to you and you think, no, that can't be right, and you pour over the scriptures, but you still can't seem to figure out if it's right or wrong, true or false, the real thing or a counterfeit, please don't go running to Facebook. Please do not go running to Google or to Siri or Wikipedia. Don't go running to Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer or T.D. Jakes or Kenneth Copeland or Creflo Dollar or Paula White or any of those false teachers, church, who do not care for the well-being of your soul, but instead run to your church family and seek the counsel of those who love you, who want to help you discern what is the will of God, who want to help you be like the wise man who built his house on the rock, who want to help you search the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Faith Bible Fellowship Church, we have been called as one body to test the spirits together. Thus, to the newer and younger Christians in the congregation, let me encourage you, be willing to ask those in this church for help when you are testing the spirits. For you have a church body who loves you. And to our older, more seasoned, and more mature saints here, let me similarly encourage you, be quick to listen to these dear ones, quick to disciple these dear ones and quick to make yourself available to help them grow in their discernment and ultimately in their relationship with Jesus Christ so that we as a church body together can be quick to hold fast to what is good and acceptable and perfect. Thus it is my prayer that we as a church body be a church of discernment. Lord, you have warned us that there are many false teachers and prophets out there, wolves in sheep's clothing who seek to deceive us, seek to defraud us, and seek to destroy us. 
Thus, let us not be quick to follow every message we hear, but instead help us as a church body together to mind the truths of your word, keeping each other as brothers and sisters in Christ away from the deceptions and the deceits and the dangers of the false teachers that are out there, and together instead boldly hold fast to the only word of light, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, who has come to us in the flesh to save the sinner from their sin so that we can know our God forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, what a gift it is to be part of a church body and to be called to discern the spirits and to test the spirits together. We are not on our own. Thus, when we read something that we think can't be right, when we hear something that triggers our spirit, and Father, we just can't figure out when we dive into your word, Lord, thank you for the individuals here that have answered these questions and have figured it out and you have given light to You have given the spirit to to give them the discernment so that they can figure out right from wrong, good and bad, evil from light. It takes courage to ask questions. Father, for the individuals here that are struggling with teachings that they don't know if they are from God or of the devil, Father, give them the courage to reach out to their brothers and sisters in Christ here. Father, give our more mature saints here a heart to disciple and to care for these individuals with these questions so that we as a body together can discern your word, what is good and accurate and perfect, so that you be glorified forever and ever. Amen. Would you please stand? We want to praise God for his ability to keep us and enable us to endure in the midst of an age of error and difficulty. Let's worship God together. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold, he must hold me fast. So he will hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast, precious in his holy sight. He will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost 
His promises shall last Bought by Him at such a cost He will hold me fast He will hold me fast He will hold me fast For my Savior loves me so he will hold me fast For my life He bled and died Christ will hold me fast Justice has been satisfied He will hold me fast Raised with Him to endless life He will hold me fast Till our faith is turned to sight When He comes at last He will hold me fast He will hold me fast for my Savior loves me so, He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast, He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so, He will hold me fast. Our benediction this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 22. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Go in peace, church. Go in peace.